Welcome to The Gathering Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Varberg, and this podcast is all about experiencing the abundant life that Jesus promised. We do this through stories, teachings, and testimonies about God's unyielding faithfulness. Today, we've got a special treat for you as I interview our very own Sal Garcia, a familiar face who has been charming audiences as the leading man and comedic genius in many of our VBS dramas. Join us on Sal's incredible journey from a challenging childhood, entrepreneurial middle school days, and single parenthood to finding love, faith, and a spiritual home at the gathering. It's a story of divine pursuit and unwavering love from a steadfast, unfailing father. Anywho, Sal, I'm excited for this. I remember I saw you on a Sunday and I was like, I need to talk to Sal. <laughs> and then when I told a few people, it's uh, it was fun to see their response. And I was like, I don't even know what I'm in for. You know, I've seen you around and we've talked and I've never really heard the story. So um, hearing some of it, I'm excited. Yeah, you know, it's crazy because um, I, I uh, anyone that I meet, I'm 100% transparent. You want to you want to ask me something? You ask me, you're going to you're going to you're going to yeah. get it. You're going to be in for it. Yeah. Um and the and the closer that we that uh that we become as as friends, as acquaintances, man, like it's amazing. Just it seems like there's just stories after stories and yeah. my wife has even said, "I'm going to write a book mm. one of these days about your life." Just because it's it goes from you being a Mexican cowboy to being shot at because you used to run with your cousin who was in a gang to running a company to being a single dad of a little girl. It's like, so the story jumps all over the place. Yeah. Um, and I tell you, it wasn't until later in life and we'll, we'll definitely get to this to where it hit me that it was God tying it all together. Yeah. You know, um, all the plot twists, he all, brings it cleanly together. So 100%. it's kind of interesting just hearing you before we started recording, kind of give me the overview. And I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that all this <laughs> stuff happened. I was like, wait, how old were you? What happened? Um, and yeah, I, I'm excited to get into it. But to, to kick us off, I'd love to, if you can just introduce yourself as you might with someone that might meet you at, um, at lunch on a Sunday or something, kind of your name, a bit about what you do, your family, how long you've been with the gathering, sure. just the, the simple stuff to, to start off easy. And then we'll get to the getting shot at and, and the Mexican cowboy stuff later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, to start, like, if I were introducing myself, I'd start probably with some lame joke, you know? Yeah. Uh, pretty some, typical. Pretty typical. Something, something uh, really dumb that I could come up with, a dad joke, and most dads look at me like, huh, does he know I'm not 12? <laughs> but, but that's just me, right? I just, yeah. I, uh, one of the biggest things I think I've always had is just finding light and joking about everything. That is just, I don't know where it comes from. Um, but I, I like to laugh and I like to joke. Yeah. And if, uh, if you're listening to this and you might not put a face to name, you were Sir what a lot in uh, the VBS <laughs> presentation. So I don't know if they're profiling, but I was Sir Laughs a lot. Sir Laughs a lot, yes. Which takes me back to the to the first VBS when they they put me as the villain. So yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> so if you ever been on the one Sunday in the summer that we do the VBS, 
Sal tends to be the humorous character. So <laughs> anywho, but how would you introduce yourself so after I, the dad joke? So yeah. after, after the dad joke, I'd say, Hey, how you doing? You know, welcome to the gathering. My name's Sal. Um, I've been here for a couple of years now when, since the gathering has started back at Monterey Ridge. Um, this is my wife. These are my kids, you know, so glad you're here. How can I help? Like, is there anything you need? Mm. You know, tell me about yourself. I, I tend to want to know more about others. Yeah. You know, and somehow stories come out. Yeah. Um, but my, my biggest goal is, is, is I want to be genuine about knowing who you are, you know? So, so I, I try to, um, just find out about whoever it is I'm talking to. Yeah. So today's kind of the fun opportunity that everyone else gets to hear about you, Sal. It's a little scary, a little, <laughs> little scary, Peter. So yes, wife, two kids, and I know we'll get, or three, oh yes, three kids Just now. had a baby, had four months ago. Wow. Recently, I have, um, have tried to start uh, volunteering in the kids' ministry. Okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to serve in the kindergarten where my son Logan is. Uh, he can be a little bit of a, a handful without a parent there. So I started just going in there and hanging out. Um, and then it just, it, it felt to me like, I think I could serve here. I, I get along with little kids. Yeah. You know, I understand Yeah. I like to make them laugh and I'm, I'm, I joke with them and goof with them and, and it's just fun for me. So I think I'm like, I, I think I can help these kids engage. And, and one of the, the ways I'd like to lead off is like, Hey kids, I need your help to teach me about Jesus. Wow. And I, I think they, they love it because they're like, we're going to teach you. Aren't you our teacher? And I said, yeah, but the best way for me to learn and to teach you guys is by learning from you. Mm. And so today it was, was one of my first days where I actually got to do a little more teaching. And it was, it was great to see their response and their reaction. That's awesome. You know, and then I filled them with prizes. So that always helps. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, with, with that, it'd be fun to kind of rewind your childhood because you had quite a different childhood oh um, boy a lot more challenges than uh, most people have and and losing your father early but can you give us some of that that early life in your life Sal? uh sure um so i have four sisters uh born i had three brothers i had um my who would have been our oldest brother passed away from pneumonia when he was a baby, he was wow. six or seven months old. Um, so that left me with two brothers. So there would have been eight of us. There's seven of us now. Um, very traditional type family where the father was the leader of everything. The mother just was very submissive, kind of followed everything. Um, my father's side of the family is from Spain. Mother's side of the family is from Mexico. Uh, my father was a Green Beret in the Army, mm. um, which I think uh, back then it really wasn't a thing too much, but I think he had kind of some severe PTSD. Yeah. Uh, it was a thing that people just didn't talk about. We didn't It, it know. wasn't talked about. It was kind of ignored. And if, yeah. and if you had any issues from it, you were just being kind of a sissy, you know, mm. it was kind of, hey, toughen up type of thing. Uh, so it was a very, uh, very strict household. Um, very abusive, right? Uh, that's, I think the only way my father knew how to discipline was with, uh, the fist or the belt or, yeah, or something. Wow. Um, and that's kind of where my mom learned it. If we didn't listen, it's straight to let's, let's beat it into him. 
Um, which led to my four sisters uh, all being basically uh, pregnant by the time they were 16 so they could get out of the house. They yeah. just they did not want to be in that house. Um, and then the my brother closest to me is seven years older. He, en- he enlisted into the military. My other brother, he uh, he's definitely uh, went his own path, um, which is crazy because we'll, we'll get to him, but yeah. he, he's the one that brought me to Christ yeah, and then just kind of blew my whole world up wow. a couple different ways. My dad, um, growing up, would always pull me aside and say, you know, you're the only son that I really wanted. Mm. You're, you know, I love you so much. You know, and uh, you're the better athlete. You're going to do this. You're going to do that, which I think got me beat up more than anything because oh, my other brothers dis- okay. hated it, mm. right? And uh, Kind of like Joseph in the Bible, like they, the brothers were jealous <laughs> and beat him up. Pretty much. Um, and, you know, it's like I I, uh, I remember them just being so mean, like... See if you can picture this. They would they would take my hands and tie them behind the toilet and oh. rest the toilet seat on my head oh. for a few hours. Wow. So after a while, when your face starts dipping into the toilet water, you uh, you find yourself pretty hopeless and lost. Wow. <laughs> you know? Um, I my, can imagine. My brothers, they used to hang out up on the roof of our house. And in order to get up there, you had to climb this wall and then take this big leap to get on the roof. And I was... Too small, I couldn't do it. The first time I actually was able to jump up there, my brother came and Spartan kicked me right off the roof. Wow. Because they didn't want me up there. <laughs> um, so and there there was a lot of that growing up. You know, it was uh, just them being angry. Abusive in a lot of different ways. Verbally, in a lot of different ways. Physically. And, you know, and now looking at it now, I look back and go, I don't blame them. You know, like, um, my brothers and I actually get along great now Mm. and there's a whole story behind that. But yeah, I, I I look back at it now where I'm at in my life, you know, with kids, with just with, with everything going, that's what they were taught. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, so it's not, it wasn't them, even though it was them, it wasn't them. They were just angry, you know, and, and they had nowhere else to get rid of that. So it's uh, kind of one of those things where I go, I guess if it helped them, yeah, I'm okay with it. Mm. You know, like my life is it's good. I've got it's Jesus. forgiven. Yeah. You've reconciled. 100%. Wow. So then um, that abusive childhood, your dad, your mom, your brothers, and then at eight, right? That was... When things changed. Yes. Um, so, uh, dad wasn't a good dad. Also wasn't a good husband. As long as I can remember, always had. Oh yes. The infidelity piece. Yes. Always had, uh, mistresses, girlfriends. I mean, one of the first things that I, I can remember or have been told is that, one of my dad's mistresses was on the flight from Spain to California when our family came over here. Wow. Right. And it was like, uh, like I, I don't remember it. I was very, I was a baby. Yeah. 
but I, I asked my brothers and sisters, like, like dad really brought like his girlfriend along the same flight as our family. Like he was, he was a very, very prideful man. Like, you know, um, so, and then got her apartment down the street and got her an apartment down the street, which, which was a whole bunch of other problems. Cause she was a Spanish woman and she had this long, long flowing, black, beautiful, thick hair. My oldest sister and my mom went over to her house, broke into her house, forced themselves into her house and butched her, cut off all of her hair. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And so, uh, you can, you can imagine the, uh, it's a lot of drama. There's a lot of drama. And so when my dad found out, he came back and beat us all up because he was so angry. Um, But yeah, there was, so there was a lot of that drama going on. Um, But so now we fast forward a little bit here and we're in Arizona. My dad used to be a welding engineer and he worked on nuclear power plants. So we're at, uh, we're in Arizona because he was working at a Palos Verdes nuclear power plant in Arizona. And uh, he's at his girlfriend's house. He had come over earlier. I remember him being there earlier, making us, we would have to wash his cars like spotless. I'm about mm. eight years old. And, uh, in between that, I didn't expect him to be there. I'm trying to watch this karate show that I was in love with, like one of my favorite shows. And I'm watching it had Ernie Reyes jr. And I don't know if you mm. remember that guy, but he's, uh, one of the guys from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a big movie buff. Love movies. So I'm watching this show, and I'm running inside and outside, you know, trying to do my thing, trying to trying to clean him to keep him happy while I'm watching my show during the commercials. Kids don't know that nowadays. Yeah. We couldn't pause live TV. And so I'm going back and forth, and uh, I'm kind of doing a, a bad job. You know, I'm not yeah. I'm eight years old, by the way, so I'm not going to do a great job anyway. But my the expectations were high. And I remember... Going to my dad saying, dad, I'm finished. You know, can I, uh, can I go watch my show? And him looking at me saying, you know what, son, I don't need you for anything. I don't need you for a darn thing. Go ahead, go watch your show. Wow. And at the time I was like, okay, that's cool. Let me go watch my show. Didn't really think too much twice of it, but I do remember that's the last thing he said to me because that night when he left our house and went to his girlfriend's house after having drank too much, uh, he tripped and fell and hit his head on the corner of a speaker and then had a heart attack. And so, uh, we get a phone call in the middle of the night from his girlfriend, like, Hey, uh, Ray just went to the hospital. He's dead. Um, so my sister walks into the room and says, Hey, you know, she comes, she hugs me and she says, I gotta tell you, uh, dad, dad, dad died tonight. He, he had a heart attack and he's dead. And my sister tells me my response was, oh, well, maybe he won't hurt mom anymore. Wow. And I'm going back to sleep. And so that was the relationship that I had. It was a very tough relationship. Um, Like I said, super abusive, just tough. You know, you were going to be tough. You were going to be tough. You're going to play football and you're going to play baseball because that's what men do. You're going to be tough. Um, It was never... I think the, one of the only times I remember him almost being tender mm. was when we went to go watch a movie together. We went to go watch Bambi. Wow. And uh, it didn't last long because when Bambi's mom got shot, mm. I guess I started to tear up. He dragged me out of the theater oh. saying, you don't cry. <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> so it was it was one of those, right? Um, yeah. 
But again, I don't blame him. Right? I, I think about it now, Peter, and I'm like, it's forgiven. It, that, yeah. That's how you were raised. That's how all those circumstances you were put in led you to be that guy. Yeah. You know, it. so he was always a good provider. I will say that. Uh, my mom and my brothers and sisters, we never didn't have what we needed. Yeah. You know? Um, but as far as that goes... Yeah. You know? So there's kind of that that closure and forgiveness. Absolutely. Uh I think there has to be. There has to be. So then after that, you moved back to California. So we had uh, his, my dad's family here in California. Um, We moved back because most of my mom's family is still in Mexico. So we have my dad's family here in California. We, we moved back and we move in with my grandmother who lived in a trailer park, like a senior, senior yeah. trailer park in Imperial Beach. Okay. Um, at this time now, it's just my mother, my brother closest to me, and myself. My older brother's, I don't even know where he's at at the time. I think he's uh, stayed in Arizona to do whatever he was going to do. I, I'm not really 100% sure. Um, all four of my sisters... Already out of the house. Already out of the house, married, having kids. Um, so we move in with my grandmother, and uh, it seems like everything's going to be okay. Um, school was a little bit rough, just because I'm I'm I look more white than I do Hispanic, and so going into this predominantly Hispanic Imperial Beach school, um, I was always having to def- defend myself that hey. I'm Mexican. Like, yeah, <laughs> I am Mexican. And I start speaking Spanish and it would almost be like, it would be infuriating to them. Like hey, this white guy speaks Spanish. Like mm. I can't talk about him cause he understands me. So, you know, fighting left and right, which. That's how you raised. That's how I was raised. So I was a fighter like, okay, yeah. come on, bring it on. You know, this is fine. And, uh, getting in trouble, but my mom really was checked out. You know, throughout me in elementary school, middle school, high school, none of that really was important to her. She was kind of just trying to figure her own things out, right? Yeah. My dad just died. She doesn't know what she's going to do. Doesn't speak the language very well. Doesn't drive. Doesn't understand a lot of the things that's going on. She's kind of lost. And so it was basically my brother who I was around most. And again, he hated me, wanted to beat me up every chance I got. So it was kind of tough. Um, mm. It was just one of those things where I'm like, I don't know what to do here. So I just kind of kept to myself a little, you know. Um, but not too long after, my grandmother passed away. And you were staying with at that trailer park. Yeah. Right. And so my mom, brother, and I were thinking, well, okay, I mean, that's that's not too bad. Like, I guess now we're going to have the trailer to ourselves. Like, you know, because my mom was always big on don't touch anything. Don't move anything. This is not our place. Always really super worried about that. And so when she passed away, it was kind of like a little bit of a sigh of relief. But then my aunts and uncles came in and said, Hey, you guys got to move out. We're going to sell this place and take the money. Wow. And you know, my mom's like, well, where am I supposed to go? We don't know. You have, don't you have kids? Like go figure it out. So, um, which made my mom angry. 
Yeah. And understandably, she couldn't beat up my older brother. <laughs> so, so, uh, so I, I took most of it. Mm. Um, and again, you know, looking back, it's okay. Um, so we, we move into, um, a not so desirable place in, uh, Skyline because my sister, my oldest sister, uh, lived there. Um, and she had one of those, um, houses that had like a detached garage kind of in the backyard that butted mm. right up to, against to an alley. So we moved in there. That was basically the only place we could, we could go. And, um, we moved in and just not a very good situation. Like it was one of those where it was really heavily gang infested, like gunshots, all that stuff. Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure I may have seen a couple dead bodies down in the canyon down below. Like wow. it was, it was like, you know, kind of a, not a good place. Um, meanwhile, throughout this whole thing of us kind of transitioning and trying to figure out where we're going. Um, one of my dad's oldest friends who had kind of, uh, he was there when you were born and he, he was yeah. there when I was born. He was, he's just, we had known him forever. Uh, he was huge into riding horses, like the full on Mexican cowboys with the big giant sombreros. Yeah. That was his thing. Right. And he would always be in the parades, like the Rose Bowl parade, like a mm. grand marshal, the mother goose parade. He was in all these, he was, you know, um, he had helped, uh, my dad basically taught him how to weld okay. and they grew up together. I think they served a little bit in the military together. But they were super close friends, and I guess he had always told my dad, "Hey, you know, if anything happens to your family, I'm gonna, I'll be there. I'll help them. I'll take care of them." Um, so, ironically enough, when this all was going on, he started kind of helping my mom out. Like, "Hey, this is how you can do this. You need to sign up for Social Security. You need to do this. Here's how you can get, you know, raise checks from the military." So he was kind of walking her through all that. And, uh, he had just gone through like a divorce or something. So it's just kind of like they, they just started to, they were spending so much time together. Yeah. It was just kind of one of those things where they just started to form a relationship. And so after living with my sister for maybe five, six months or so, okay. I don't quite remember too well. Uh, he moved us into a place down in El Cajon. So he became kind of like a stepdad. He kind of became like a stepdad. Um, we're just, you know, helping out. So we had a year lease in El Cajon. Um, I'm in sixth grade. He got me back into baseball because he was like, hey, that kid's going to, he needs to do something because if not, he's going to be a troublemaker. Yeah. Like get him into something. So my mom, they put me in, they put me in baseball, which was great. Love baseball. I played baseball when I was a little kid because of my, my, my biological dad. My father was like, you're playing baseball and football. I love sports, love sports. Um, so got back into baseball. Played down in El Cajon. We came up to Ramona. My dad was like, hey, listen, it doesn't make any sense for you to be paying rent down there. Why don't you come and live up here with me? Mm. You know? Um, and they were they were they were a relationship now. They they had been dating for a year. Got it. Um, they were, you know. So in the beginning it was just helping out. Then by that time it kind of formed it, into a relationship. It evolved into a, hey, you know what? We're we're together. Um, which is, you know, my mom was with my dad for 22 years. Then when my, uh, my mom passed away, her and my stepdad were actually together for 24 years. So it's wow. just a crazy thing. But so we moved up to Ramona, um, played football there, went to middle school there. Uh, my dad said, Hey, listen, you know, you're going to ride horses. 
he was the president of the Association of Charros de Ramona, which is basically like cowboys Mexican style. We, you know, we ride the bulls, we do the all the trick roping stuff, and he says, you're going to be on this team. I said, okay. I got a horse. I thought it was great. You know, yeah. I love horses. Horses are amazing. Um, but he said, here's a shovel and a wheelbarrow. You're also going to be in charge of the barn, cleaning the barn, doing this. We had 12 horses. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Fixing fences, doing work around places, all that stuff. Yes. So it was, I was basically a ranch hand. We had, okay. we had cows, bulls, chickens, goats, horses, cows, p- uh, pigs. Like I grew up on a ranch. Uh, we had eight acres up in Ramona and it was my job to maintain everything and looking and back compete. and compete yeah. and looking back now, you know, that I'm a dad, I'm like, man, I was 13 years old. Like that seems like an awful lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I'm like, but that's how he was raised. He was, he was raised the same way. Um, another guy served in the military, very hard, very, very, uh, calloused very non-emotional, right? Um, but not physical. Mm. You know, he uh, never put a hand on me. But he would be the one to say, hey, we're going to be building this house today. We're building a garage. This wall, I need you to have it standing by the time I come back. And I'm like, this wall weighs like 600 pounds. I'm a 13 year old kid. How, what? Mm. Like, how am I supposed to do that? So, um, I'd figure it out. I'd go get our tractor. I'd get some ropes on it, pull up half. I just, I'd figure it out. Cause my mom was deathly afraid of being kicked out. Mm. So I would go and basically try to almost complain to my mom, like, mom, what, how am I supposed to do this? And she would be like, what's wrong with you? Are you kidding me? You're going to get us kicked out of this house. You wow. better do it. Like, you have to do it. And I'm like, okay, well, okay. So I'd figure it out. Um, which ultimately, at the end of the day, man, I, I think it helped me in a lot of ways. There's, uh, in my brain, the way it functions now, I don't think there's a task that I cannot do. Yeah, and it, problem it, solving. It, problem so- it all goes back to that, you know? But uh, it was a lot of that. It was a lot of... Uh, summers going down to his welding shop, just basically cutting and moving steel around so his workers could take it and install it. It was, you know, we had a giant septic tank. You got to dig the hole. I said, don't they make tractors for this? We don't need a tractor. We've got you. Wow. Going and digging this big hole, digging in trenches for, you know, building the foundation of a house by hand and pick and shovel. You know, those were those were my summers. Those were things that I was doing. Um, which when I was doing those things, man, I was his best little buddy. When, uh, when I started getting better at sports and finding my way, uh, I wrestled in high school. I was, I was decent. Um, and uh, I loved the sport, so I wanted to be good at it, and I wanted to, to dedicate and devote some time to it. Uh, so it's, that conflicted with what he wanted you to do. Yes, which is crazy 
because he was a state champion wrestler. Wow. And he loved the sport. And, but you know, it just, and I know that he knew the commitment it takes to be good, but he just would rather me commit to, uh, what he wanted, what he wanted me to do. So then you guys didn't speak for a while. So there was a time where, yeah, I, uh, he, he just, he stopped talking to me for about two years because, uh, I missed a couple of, uh, Chateadas, which are Mexican rodas. I missed a couple of those because we had tournaments over the weekends. Um, just a few days, I didn't get a chance to wash and clean his horses or or do the, and it just it it built up, and uh, he just kind of wrote me off, mm. you know, like, you know what, you're not worth my time anymore. I don't want to deal with you, and so I became basically invisible. Like we would walk past each other in the hallways of the house mm. and he wouldn't even look at me. He wouldn't acknowledge me. Wow. He would, he would call um, our house on the house phone and I would answer and be like, hello, hello, hello. And my mom would answer another phone like, hello. And he'd be like, Hey, what are you doing? I'm like, Oh wow. You won't even say hello. Like get your mom, you know? So, so it's not physical abuse, but that's major emotional. Yeah. And you know, and stuff, it, you it, know? it led to a lot of man, you know, am, am I really not that, am I not good enough? Like, you know? And so I really tried, like, even after I would clean the corrals. So I'd be waking up. I was, you know, middle school, late middle school. Now, early high school, waking up at, at four to go clean the corrals, to go mm. do this stuff, then run to school because that's my mentality. I didn't have to run. To school. I could have taken the bus, but I wanted to be a good wrestler. I see. So, so I would, literally running. Literally, I would run to school, you know, for training, run there, you know, do my thing, wrestle, run home, do my work, uh, and then, you know, start all over. But uh, I didn't mind it so much. It was okay. Um, but I think just still not being acknowledged, still him, you know, like, what do I have to do? You know, that was the part that was like, Wow, I I don't know what else to do here. So, um, and that was yeah, that was just actually that was just before high school because that was about the time when my mom was like, "Hey, listen, um, the checks that I'm getting from the government are just enough for like for me. So you're gonna have to figure out what you're gonna do about getting clothes and and yeah, because at this point, pretty much all your siblings are out of the house. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. They're all gone. My brother uh, joined the military. Um, and, and this is my eighth grade year. Because now I remember it's my eighth grade year. And she's like, hey, you know, I just graduated from eighth grade. She's like, you better figure this out. Because like, you know, I, I, I don't have enough money for you. And I'm, I can't ask. I can't ask your stepdad. He's, you know. Because he doesn't like you. Anymore. He doesn't like you. Yeah. You know, you, you know, you didn't clean a corral. So you're cut off. I can't ask him for any money. Um, and, you know. Kind of the out of the mix, they had a little bit of a gambling problem. Um, they probably spent every other weekend in Vegas. They would drive to Vegas wow. for three or four days. I'd come home from school and get a note. Hey, we went to the Whiskey Pete's. See you on Sunday or Monday. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. You know, like, huh. Okay. So here I am by myself at a ranch all day. That's uh, a big attribute to where I learned to drive because we had several vehicles. I'm going to go pick up one of my friends. I'm bored. Yeah. 
<laughs> so I would go grab one of our trucks and go pick up our friends. I was 13 years old. We'd go to the movies. We'd go down to the mall. It was great. You know, my friends loved it. Um, my house kind of became like the, the fun central. Yeah. Hey, Sal will come pick us up. We can go back to Sal's house and we just hang out and have a good time, like party, you know, whatever. It'd be great. Um, so that's, you know, my, my popularity grew up, you know, in the eighth grade. Um, I had a lot of good friends and we were all athletes and we were kind of our own little crew, but because of this whole situation, you know, it turned into something different. Out of the blue, my brother, Junior, he's the second oldest brother. He shows up. And I'm like, hey, man, like, where you been? Like, what's going on? He's like, oh, I've, you know, just been traveling. I've been doing this. I've been working for this company. We're doing jobs across the country. And I'm like, cool. Like, let's, like, let's hang out. Like, he brings me clothes. Like, he and I got along great, you know? Uh, He was the only one that would defend me against my other brother from Mm. time. Like, he'd be like, hey, okay, like, he's bleeding a lot. Like you should stop now, like leave him alone. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're hanging out, we're doing stuff and he's driving this car. I'm like, hey, where'd you get this car? This car is nice. And he's like, Oh, you know, a friend of mine had to go out of town. And so the, he asked me to watch over it for him. I said, oh, okay, cool. And was this the same around the same time he, uh, introduced you to the rock? This is the time he introduced me to uh, the rock. Right. So, uh, um, and your first interaction with, church with church and Christ. And, uh, he's like, Hey, you know, I, I want to, I want to, I've, he had a Bible with him, you know, he had a Bible with him. And I asked him, you know, what are you doing? What's that Bible for? And he's like, well, you know, I found Jesus. And I'm like, wow, tell me about it. Like you're into it. Tell me about it. I want to know, you know, okay. And so, um, he took me to the rock when it was at San Diego state in the multi-purpose room. Um, it was really, it, for me, it was weird, right? Uh, we get in there and we start praying and my mom had grown up Catholic and it's not like I didn't know what God was. Yeah. Right. It's not like I didn't know anything, but to me, just the way that it was introduced at the rock was just different, right? Like the people were, seemed so genuine and nice. And, and I'm like, this is kind of cool. Like, I've never really been around this many people that feel this way about something. Mm. That's, that's really neat, you know? And uh, my brother introduced me to them and, you know, right out of the blue, like, oh, what do you do? You wrestle? Oh, let's, can we, can we, can we pray for you? And, you know, and, and I'm like, you know what? Like, I, I've never felt sorry for myself, but I knew even, you know, like my friends, they didn't have to do any of the stuff I had to do, yeah. right? They all... Their parents bought them whatever. They got rides to school. Like, you know, they had good relationships with their mom and dad. And so I would talk to these, like, say, hey, you know, like, without I really getting into it, I'd like a better relationship with my parents, like, you yeah. know? And so they would pray for me, and it meant something, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, this is cool. I got people that seem like they care about, you know, me outside of these walls. I've got people that, that are genuinely like pulling for me, which is kind of cool. I, I don't, I don't know. I've, I've never really had that. I, I like this. This yeah. is neat. And so, you know, so that all ends and my brother's like, Hey, what do you think? I'm like, this is great, man. Like, I, I, I like this. Can we keep coming? Like, 
you know, can you figure out a way to, you know, come pick me up? And, and we're driving home and I go, Hey, where did you get this car? And he gives me kind of a different story. Oh, this girl I know, uh, her mm. sister is this. And I'm like, huh, that's kind of weird. I'm not going to say anything, but that's not what you told me before. Yeah. And, uh, we get back and, and he drops me off and he goes and does his thing and I don't hear from him for a while. Right. And I'm a freshman in high school now. Um, and, uh, I get a letter from my brother and it's from prison Wow. and I'm looking at it and I'm like, what's going on here? Mm. You know, like this is, this is what? So I read this letter and, uh, he had broken out of prison and he came to see me. Um, and he took me to the rock, which was neat. Uh, but I, I so the I, first time you saw him, that was already after he had been in prison. He had he been in prison. Yes. Wow. Um, he had been in prison, broke out, came to see me, and uh, it was just it was crazy. And then he was in prison again, writing you a letter. Yes, he uh, wow. he got caught. He got caught. I guess. Uh, they spotted him somehow, chased him down, they caught him, threw him back in prison. Um, and so it just, it broke my heart. Like I'm reading this and I'm like, wait a second, how could you claim to be, you know, a, a Christian? And even yeah. though I don't even fully know what that is yet, because I'm try still trying to figure it out. And you took me here and it was real. And then, and then this, like, okay, like I, okay. But I know that there are kids at my school that are Christians. I'm going to see if I can connect with them, right? Um, and so I started trying to connect with some of the kids at the school that were Christians. Um, and in Ramona, there is not much you do. You either, you know, try to tip cows, but cow tipping is not a real thing. <laughs> You know, they wake up, they don't tip over. It's a myth. So you can pretend to cow tip. You can try to, or you, you go and you go to parties or you, you know, it's, it's very limited on what you can do, especially when you don't drive. And so my friends and I, we'd go to these parties and I would still see these same Christian kids, right? At the parties. With At you. the same parties. Cause that's just what you do. Yeah. And after these parties, I felt like I was the only one being talked about, about being at these parties. Mm. And it just kind of started like, wait a second here. The gossip. and Yeah. All that. Like, yeah. what is all this gossip going on? Like, you were there too. And so it, it, it kind of turned me off a little bit. But in my heart, Peter, I'm telling you, man, there was something there. And, and I, I loved what it looked like being in a real relationship with God and fellowship and community but I just didn't know where to find it. Yeah. So um, I kind of, I backed off quite a bit, right? And just uh, started doing my thing. I kept kept wrestling, uh, kept doing the, the rodeo thing with my, my dad, you know, just got through, right? We fast forward, we get out of high school. I've got two pretty bad knees. Um, uh, would have really liked to have gone and wrestled. Could yeah. have potentially gone and wrestled for some D1 schools. Uh, just not with not with the knees I have. 
So I stayed and started coaching. Started coaching wrestling. Um, my high school wrestling coach was kind of like a second father. Mm. I spent Christmases and Thanksgiving at their house because um, my parents really didn't. Not that they didn't want to celebrate. that They just didn't want to celebrate with me. Yeah. You know, like my mom and dad would go to my grandma's house. They'd be like, hey, we're going to grandma's house. We'll see ya. And I'm like, wait a second. There's no invite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, hey, we're, we're going to go to Vegas for Thanksgiving. See ya. So it's kind of like, oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll just do my own thing. That, that's fine. <laughs> well, not a big deal. Like, well, okay. Because, you know, they just wanted to do their thing. And so I would always go to his house. I would spend a lot of time with his family. Um, and... When I graduated, he said, hey, there's no one I can think of that I'd rather have as an assistant coach other than you. Like, you know, so it was great. Um, I taught all the technique and got these guys going. And he was one of the best motivational people you'll you'll ever find. You know, he could motivate you to do anything. And so it was, it was a really good pairing. Um, I coached with him for several years uh, until he started having kids and decided, hey, I think I'm going to retire and give you the whole program. Wow. You know, he's like, you're, you're the guy. You, you're doing it all. We ended up taking first in league, second wow. in CIF. Like, we were good. And so after that, he came back and said, hey, I think I want to take my job back. And I, t- I told him no. I said, hey, no, like we're building a program. I, I don't have a position open, coach. I'm sorry. Like, you can come in anytime you want and be like a special guest clinician, whatever, but I don't have a spot for you. Um, and he was upset about it. So there's a couple things that happened to where I had to enforce our new rules about no party and no, none of this. And a lot of the parents weren't happy because I held our kids out of a couple major tournaments. Mm. And the parents were like, you can't do this. And I'm like, here's a, basically the contract you signed, you know? Oh, and they tore it up and they were just angry at me. And I, and I couldn't understand being a young 20 something kid going, I'm trying to get your kids to not drink and do these dumb things yeah. that I wish I would have had someone to keep me from doing that. And here I am trying to keep them accountable. And you thinking at the beginning of the season, it's the greatest idea. And now that it's happened to your kid, I'm the worst. Mm. So I went to my head coach for guidance and he basically said, wow, maybe you should quit. And I'm like, that's that's not what I was expecting from you. So the next thing I hear is these parents are going to file a lawsuit against me. So it gets to the administration. I have to go in and talk to the administrator and they basically say, all these parents are going to file a lawsuit against you. Coach Cook has already said he'll take the program back over, but you have to resign. Wow. And it blew me away. I'm like, wait a second. I said, one, I'm not resigning. You're going to have to fire me. And two, like, I can't believe, like, you, like, my my, my father figure, one of the best guys. It's is, like betrayal. Yeah. Is, uh, is, is doing this. Like, I, I, I it blew me away. I, I couldn't believe... What was happening? I go back to the wrestling room. I basically tell the kids, kids, in a couple minutes, I would imagine some security guards, principal, they're going to come escort me out of here, but I got to go. Stick to the commitments, you know, like, and so 
I got escorted out. And that was the end of my, my coaching. Coaching, yeah. Yeah, and which was a bummer because I wasn't ready to quit, you know. Um, but I, it felt like, you know, all so the men figure in my life had been kind of failing. Yeah, from your dad, your from stepdad. who just stepdad, kind of brother, coaches. It's like what you could give them. Right. It was all conditional. Yes. And so, you know, it, it felt like all this stuff is, is just falling apart, falling apart. And so uh, I'm like, okay, well, move on with life. Like, that, that's my thing. Like, okay, move on. In the midst of all this, I, this is when I started doing like my entertainment rigging. I'm rigging for concerts. I'm working yeah. for the Cirque du Soleil. I'm doing all this stuff. And I'm, I'm decent at it. I'm, I'm you know, I, I do well. Um, and I met my daughter's mother, Lily. I met her mom and uh, we started a relationship. She wasn't a believer. Which And she was a single mom at the time. She was a single mom at the time. Um, she wasn't a believer, which was getting tougher for me. Because there was something that I, I wanted to, to be yeah. there. You know, I wanted that part because I it was still so, so What clear. you'd experienced at that church. It was so clear. People like, caring it, yeah. for you. Yeah. And so, and I'm like, why wouldn't everybody want this? Like, it's, it's, it's there. And I, you know, and um, so we were together for a while. Um. Relationship started, it just became toxic. You know, it wasn't what I wanted. It was just one of those things where I'm like, we're just not good together, you know? Yeah. And, and um, so bags are packed. I'm getting ready to go. One foot out the door, then my mom gets sick. She has some stomach issues. Uh, I think they, they misdiagnosed her and they gave her some wrong medicine. So she's in the hospital for about two weeks straight. I'm there with her every day. Um, so our relationship kind of got put on the back burner. And two weeks passes by and she passes away. Mm. Um, wow. Total surprise. You know, even though uh, I got a bunch of scars here on my face from my mom punching me in the face. Love that woman to death. Right? Like she was, that's my mom's. Um, so go back and once everything kind of settles, it's like, our relationship status hasn't changed. It's it's still time for me to move on and split up. And and she says, "Well, I'm pregnant." Mm. I said, "Wow," which was something I had never expected. Um, I didn't ever expect. I love kids, but I never expected to have any of my own. I was always terrified of the idea. Yeah, because your childhood was oh, not terrified. What great. if? Yeah. What if I'm like my dad? Yeah. What wow. if I'm like any of the males in my my family? Like, what if? Terrified me. Like, ah, oh, I, I don't want to do that. That's wrong. Like, I knew that. Like, that's all. You don't do that. Uh, so scared, scared me to death. Like, I don't want to be a dad. I don't want to be a dad. I, that's, you know, I can fail at anything. But I don't want to fail at being a dad. Like, oh, my goodness. It's just the thought of it. Uh, so she tells me she's pregnant. We're, uh, she's going to keep the baby. So then we better figure this out. So we tried to make it work through the pregnancy, through the first year. After that, it's just, you know, you see those old patterns starting to come back. And at this time, when my daughter was born, I'd started my business. 
because it was one of those things where I said to myself, in order to not be like my parents, yeah, who were never there for anything that was ever important to me, I have to make a change so that I am able to be there for her for anything. I, you know, it didn't matter if it was a five minute play where she was a tree. I was going to be there. So started my business. Um, and man, Peter, I had the hardest heart, right? Cause I was, I was still not a nice person. I was still fighting. Yeah. You know, um, enjoyed getting into fights. Like just, I was not a nice person at all. Having a little girl changed everything. Wow. Um, it was definitely one of those things where I was like, what have you been thinking this whole time? Mm. You know? And, uh, I wanted different and better for her. So since the relationship wasn't very good with her mother, yeah, I said, I think it's time I move, I move out, but I'm going to take Lily with me. Cause you were kind of doing better in the provision side of things and doing, you could take care of her and all that. Yes. I said, you know what? She's not going to get stuck in daycare. I will provide a single person to take care of her. Like, you know, um, and her mom had no objections. Like, fine, go ahead. I said, great. So we moved out, moved to Poway and, uh, man, I never knew how tough it was going to be to find childcare, mm. a nanny for a single dad. Right. But it got to the point to where my sister, who was a educator for San Diego Unified School District, was having issues with everything that was going on there. And she was like, Sal, I'll come watch the baby. You know, she was going through a divorce. I'll come live with you, watch the baby. You know, we'll take care of it. I do have one more meeting with Unified School District and go from there. And I said, well, that's okay because I still have another meeting with with one more potential Another interview, man. yeah. Another interview. It probably won't work out, you know. I probably won't even like this girl. I, but I told her we we already have it set up, so we're going to have this meeting. Okay. So have this meeting. This girl comes in. She had just gotten done from church. Mm. She comes in. She's from Ramona. That's where I'm from. Uh, she's young. She's funny. She's charismatic. She's her and Lily just start playing like they're just having a great time. And I'm like, wow, this person is neat. You know, my sister calls me. Hey, listen, I just had my meeting. They're going to keep my pay the same and give me a potential for a raise. My position's getting better. Like, I have to take what they're giving me because I'm closer to retirement and that's going to really benefit me. Yeah. And I said, wow, sis, that's that's good. I just met this woman named Elena who uh, could potentially be a really good fit. So uh, Elena becomes our nanny. About six months later, we're just hanging out. We're laughing a lot. We're getting along really well. And um, we decide, you know, I, I think there's more than just nanny yeah. boss here. And we're going to try to date. And she says, hey, listen, 
I really want to date you, but first off, I won't date a smoker because mm. I, I had smoked for about 20 years. That day was the last day I ever touched a cigarette. Quit cold turkey. And she says, but most importantly, I won't date someone who's not a Christian and doesn't go to church. And the first thing that came to mind was, thank you. Yeah. I have been looking and looking to find a way to get back into church and not be judged. Like, oh my goodness, thank you. Because that's what I want. And so uh, we started going to church. We started at the Church of Rancho Bernardo. It was a little bit big for us. Um, then we went to another church where it just, 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 it was great church. We met yeah. great people. Just wasn't right. And then, uh, we had a lot of people come in and, and suggest we go to a new church called the gathering. Yeah. Cause a lot of your friends had been through impact 195 and a lot of our friends, of George had, knew of some of our family, um, mm. a family had been through it. So we were like, that sounds great. Um, so we decided to give it a shot. And day one, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with it because uh, I showed up and, you know, the lights were all junky up in the air. They were putting up this portable... Uh, yeah screen yeah they were moving all these boxes we were at a around. school at the time and it was like set up tear down every single week. every single and i'm like i love this this is great this is so i went right over to uh, jared naputi who was the worship leader and said hey listen this is my i'm sal and i'm a rigger and i know sound and i know video and i can move stuff i would love to help and I had tried that at so many other churches before and never gotten a response. You know, whether and you they, found yourself like reintroducing yourself. Oh my because, goodness. Every week, just, yeah. hey, I'm Sal. Can I help? Hey, I'm Sal. Can I help? You know, and it's just like, man, they just, you just kind of see right over you. And so I came to Jared and said, I'd really, really love to help. Um, here's my phone number. I, I think he may have called me that night and said, hey, so next Sunday, we're starting at eight. Need you there to help set up the screen, help to do this. And can you do this with lights? Can you do this with sound? I said, I'd love to. And so it was just, uh, I got that inviting feeling again, mm. right? I got that, hey, you belong here feeling again. Hey, we want you here. And uh, I just remember going back to my wife and saying, or well, then we weren't married when we just started, gosh, it was so close. Um, but I remember going, well, actually we were, we had just gotten married. We, wow, the gathering's old. We had just gotten yeah. married. But uh, I remember going back to Elena saying, you know, the people here are amazing. Like the people here are absolutely amazing. And George, I am going to learn a lot from this guy. Like, man, he is a, such a good teacher. And uh, I think we invited the Naputis over right away. Said, hey, when you guys come over, we all hung out, talked, laughed, had a great time. And uh, Elena started getting more involved, meeting the other ladies at the church. And it just seemed like everything started coming together. 
And uh, it's one of those things after looking so like hard and just uh, finding this place yeah, was like a gem, you know? Mm. Um, so it, it's been an extremely amazing experience yeah. these last five, six years with the gathering. Yeah. And it's wild to see, you know, how God has kind of pursued you through it, how he's been on your heart, even though you weren't a part of a community, how like the community aspect, the first time you went to church is one of the big things that drew you in. But then you felt kind of the hypocrisy of some of the people judging you, all of that. And you had that longing over the years. And I'm I'm curious, Sal, kind of as we wrap, because obviously there's stories galore. And <laughs> even in times we talked beforehand, there were some other things of you as a 13 year old like, entrepreneur, like <laughs> this, this is a six hour podcast. Right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Extended edition. Yeah. Um, no, but it's like, there are so many cool things that have happened, but I guess a couple final questions. I'm curious how one, I just feel like how you feel God has been a part of the journey. Cause like you said, in the beginning, before we got into all the stories, you're like, yeah, I feel like God is kind of, made the pieces fit together, you know, and it's like all these different plot twists, but God has kind of brought the resolution to it. Right. Tell me a bit more about that. How do you feel like God has done that in your life? Uh, you know, and, and I think there are multiple scenarios for everything that could have happened in life, right? You could have gone one way or the other or the other. Um, I'm, I'm no exception. I've had a lot of those. I've got cousins that are gang members. Um, I've got that brother that was in prison. I've and, got a brother that was in prison for, for, you know, uh, a pretty heinous crime. Um, I've, I've got military family that were, Hey, go this route. There are so many different routes. Um, but I don't think that through any of those routes, I would have the forgiving heart that I have if it wasn't for God. Mm. Um, I think there was all, you know, just the, the failed male relationship after failed male relationship. God will never fail me. And I know that mm. I know that he is the ultimate father. Mm. Um, and I don't worry about that. Um, I think that, with a lot of the, the ways that life could have gone. Yeah. Um, there's that predetermined path that was always there for me. And that was God. I think, uh, God gave me Lily to, to soften my heart mm. when I needed it. When you were angry and violent and oh, yeah. getting in fights. Yeah. Just wanted to beat everybody up. And then I think he gave me my son, Logan, uh, to be um, a better man mm. than I ever had. Because he was your son. <laughs> um. And he, he brought Elena into my life to bring it all together. Mm. 
I, I don't think that uh, there could have been any other creator to do that. Yeah. It had to have been God. Mm. It wasn't luck. It wasn't circumstances. There no. had there was design. There was design. Behind it. Absolutely. Very mm. much. Wow. Yeah. I love that, Sal. Thank you. From never thinking you'd be a father, having no positive male figures, everyone kind of let you down. God has really stepped in there. And I think what's really cool with your story is like, you know, you can hear some crazy testimonies here and there and uh, the rough childhood stuff and just all the ways you talk about everyone in your life shows a, a level of forgiveness and reconciliation that it's like, I'll hear people talk about their parents or someone that had hurt them. And there's sometimes backhanded compliments in there, but it's, it's, it's wild to me through this whole journey, whether <laughs> us talking beforehand or yeah. even recording, like you've always been like, yeah, I mean, based on the way my dad was raised, I can understand how that happened. You know, your mom, like every, every person you, you have this sense of grace, um, and forgiveness. And I think that's so powerful in the Bible when God talks about loving your enemies and praying for those that persecute you. And I think when we put ourselves in other people's shoes and understand, I probably would have acted somewhat similarly if I was put in the same circumstances. <laughs> you know, funny story. You say that, um, my head coach, yeah, he calls me several years ago. That father figure. That father yeah. figure. He calls me about three years ago. Um, and he had just gone through a, a divorce with his wife. Mm. He had gotten fired from his job as a teacher. Um, and he calls me up. And he his life is just down the dumps. And he calls me up and he says, hey, Sal, listen, this is what's going on in my life. And I, I had already known because for some reason, people decide to call me, ex-wrestlers, Hey, do you hear what's going on with coach? And, you know, I said, I really, I don't really care. It doesn't, I'm not keeping up with that. And they tell me, so he calls me up one day and goes, yeah, I'm sure you've heard about everything that's going on with my personal life and this and that. And I said, yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. That's all happening to you. And he says, I have never had a more people come up to me, point their finger right in my face and say, you're getting everything you deserve for what you did to sell. Oh, and so he says to me, man, if I ever wronged you or ever hurt you or ever did anything, like, I'm sorry. And uh, the first thing that I could think to say to him is, I forgive you, man. Like, you don't have to be. Mm. I said, I have a good life. I have a great wife. I have two beautiful kids before Landon. I said, I have two beautiful kids. I have a business that provides. I've got a great church community. Like, whatever you did didn't impact my life. It made me stronger. It helped. So, but you, you, if you are looking for forgiveness, you have it. Let's go have lunch. And he says to me, he goes, through all of this, because he knew a lot about my backstory. Yeah. And he says, Sal, you, uh, you're the man I wish I could be. Wow. And I said, well, thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. But, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's one of those things, Peter, when, man, God is too good yeah. to be angry, you know, like, and, and God provides like, and I know a lot of times, even in, in my life, the times that I've had 
these moments of forgiveness that seem weird to me. It's almost been like this ease of it where it's like, yeah, I don't think I'm great that I got the the courage to forgive this person. It's almost like God kind of gave me that. Right. And I can't take credit for it. I, uh, I don't know. I, I can't figure out why he's blessed me so much. Mm. I've got a, you know, a, be- a a business that provides for our family. I've got beautiful kids. I don't deserve this. Mm. I guess if, if last piece of encouragement for those listening, um, obviously a variety of backgrounds, people, whether it was childhood and, and things growing up or people that had wronged them, I think everyone can relate with um, betrayal or someone hurting us or, or doing we've, something we've all like had that. It somewhere or um, I guess from your story, like how would you encourage listeners um, what God's taught you in your life? What's a, a word of encouragement for them? Maybe wrestling through some of, some sure. of those challenges. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Um, stay faithful. Um, don't let the little things get you down because the bigger picture is, is so much more beautiful. Mm. Like it really is because we are going to have bumps and bruises and falls and trips and every step of the way. Right. And if you let those little things lead to bigger falls, that's what's going to, but I mean, man, for me, it's been, it's been that thing where, yeah, I, I feel like if you just continue to believe and, and have faith in our father, he's always going to have his hand out mm-hmm. there reach to pick you up. You don't have to know how it's going to all you work don't have out. To, you don't, you don't even have to think about it. Mm. Just, just believe and reach up his hands there, you know, just, just believe he's there. Yeah. It's powerful. It's just like recognizing that you have to, he's there. You have to. Yeah. Wow. You have to. Well, thanks, Sal. Thank you. And um, it's fun that although you try to approach everyone with questions and try to <laughs> understand their story, we got to hear a bit more of yours. And I know there's so much left there. Um, we can do the, the six-hour extended edition sometime. But, man, it's just it's fun to see your joy. And it's wild that we had a sermon today on Philippians and on joy and George's message was so similar. It's like if, if we're focused on self, if we're focused on these little things that are happening, it's hard to be joyful. But when we keep our eyes on the Lord, we see his, his greater plan, um, that's where true joy comes from. Be grateful for what you have. So thanks, Sal. Really Thank appreciate you, it. I appreciate being here. Bye. See you.